His whole look is very menacing, but the hat, it, it would have totally been spoiled if he had a hat with little lightning bolts on it. Yeah, that, that would not have been <laughs> scary at all. And I don't think all of it works for me. I, th I think on the whole, you like the film better than I do, though I do like it. And it's just barely horror. But when it does hit, man, it hits hard. Well, a tip of the hat, Fright Clubbers, in more ways than one. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're talking about tipping hats, many hats, many frightful hats, and I can't remember. How did we get this idea? Uh, it was your idea. Was it my idea? It had something I mean, to do. I mean, what I meant to say was <laughs> it was a great idea for me that time. There were beers and oh, well. a discussion of Rose the Hat co costume for Chris for Halloween. Okay. And uh, and I think it was an excuse for us to talk about Rose the Hat. Well, that could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, this reminded me, in looking over this list, that maybe we should update our... How long ago did we do the sexiest villains list? Yeah, before. It was pre-Rose. Okay. Yeah. Pre-Rose. And then, pre since we've been watching... Uh, it's not really a movie, but we've been watching The Fall of the House of Usher, yeah. and Carla Gugina's in oh, there. Yeah. Hey. Um, yeah. But uh, so that just told you that just spoils that Rose the Hat is going to be on here. <laughs> but you probably knew that already because the hat is in her name. <laughs> and uh, that's a giveaway. That's not a spoiler. Uh, so we're talking about frightful hats. I like this topic, though. We're getting kind of niche. Yeah. But we do that sometimes. Usually it's a good idea from somebody else, but this time I get to wear that hat. So. <laughs> but beers were involved. So, you know, that's uh, that's inspiration. All the time. So we'll get into that. Hats in horror. But before that, last time out, we were at Gateway Film Center. It was Friday the 13th, was it, it not? It was Friday Fun. the 13th. So that gave a little extra creepiness in the air. Uh, we talked about Backwoods Messiahs. That's a good topic. Yeah, I thought so. And we showed Lose, The Flower of Evil, yeah. which is such a beautiful, visually stunning film. And it was really, really cool to see it on the big screen. We'd not seen it on the big screen before. We reviewed it but we we it was a screener like so we watched it on our laptops at home so to get to see all of that the the colors and everything on a big screen was super fun i think people liked it they seemed to enjoy it i think it. they did and i think they also really uh, appreciated as you say the the look of it because yeah. it was absolutely beautiful yeah. yeah um and everyone pointed out that on our list we forgot brother sand from mandy linus roach's character from mandy yeah. funny story um, when we first, you know, usually when we sort of kick around a, an idea, as long as off the top of my head, I can come up with five possibilities, we move forward. That's like, that's yeah. a, a topic that, and then, you know, we'd spend some more time, we dig around and think about it. And then a lot of times our, our first five don't make the final list, but as long as we can think of five. Mandy was on the original five and it never actually fell off. The problem is I lost the list. A lot of times, <laughs> you know, it's like I'll be sort of taking notes on something else and I'll jot it down in the middle of a Word document sure, yeah. or like in a text or in an email or in something that has something to do with something else. And I'll just quick mm. jot it down. I couldn't find it. So then at the last minute, I had to just conjure up five off the top of my head and somehow managed to forget Mandy. Well, you know, that's exactly what happened to me when I forgot I thought of this co this uh, topic of the hat. <laughs> I had it written down on, an, on a napkin. In fact, it was a Bev nap from when we were out, and then I lost it, and that's what, that's what happened there. But yeah, that was a good one. I, I totally get that, that people wondered where Brother Sand was, because yeah. that's, that's a good one. And it's a pretty recent one, too. Um, yeah. You think we, so it's very understandable that the first time you thought of it, it was, boom, it was right at the top yes, of your head, yeah. but then... You just got lost, and that's what happens. There's so many good ones. You start thinking about other ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then before you know it, Brother Sand is on the cutting room floor. So we but like this one. There are, I mean, it's funny when you start thinking about how many hats, especially that villains wear. Mm -hmm. it's, a good, it's a good list, but we've got it down to five, right? We do. do we have 
Do we have some uh, also rans? We do. One that I'm sure that you will appreciate, George. Norma from oh, Carrie. That would, that's number one on the annoying hats list. <laughs> With the, the lightning bolt baseball uh, cap that she wears even to prom. One of the many What's things. What's going on, Norma? About that character that just drive me to drink. And then uh, another great one, I think, is from Poltergeist 2, Kane, the old man. He's got like that sort of religious guy hat on. Not the whole time, because when he takes it off, it's really his teeth. that the, That's the selling point, but he right. looks good in the hat. And then uh, the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, he's got yeah, that big, almost Indiana Jonesy kind of traveling hat yeah. on. Yeah, his whole look. Yeah, it's good. his his whole look is very menacing. But the hat, it, it would have totally been spoiled if he had a hat with little lightning bolts on it. Yeah, that that would not have been <laughs> scary at all. <laughs> um, that's and a good course, hat. Yeah, leprechaun. He's got a good. He's got a leprechaun hat. Oh, I've got to have yeah, one. Yeah, and it's a, it's a good looking leprechaun hat. It's a nice shiny buckle. And I'm sure he keeps one. it through the entire franchise. All the leprechauns. Yes, you got to have a hat. That's right. That's a good one. Um, Art the clown. He's got that fun, tiny, small yeah, size. Right. It's, a, it's a top hat, but it's a tiny, small size top hat. Sits jauntily to the side. It's like uh, Puddles the Clown. Oh, uh, yes. A less, a less murdering yes. clown. S- <laughs> sings more than Art does. Yeah. But yeah, I, I totally get that. Uh, Art the Clown has a, has a good hat. Yeah, and he does. The, the w- best villain hat of all time. The most iconic ever. The Wicked Witch of the West. That's a good one. But she doesn't make this list because that's by no means a horror film. But still... It's got to get called out because as a villain hat goes, no villain hat looks better. That is a good one. And we also have to mention maybe my favorite hat, not horror, but the sorting hat (laughs) from Harry Potter. Because any hat, first of all, it talks, it's mean, and it judges children. (laughs) (laughs) Love the sorting hat. My favorite thing in the entire Harry Potter franchise. So those are some good ones, uh, honorable mentions of frightful hats. We have five... Five good ones, and we'll start with one that is, is are we just going to dive right in? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if we had anything else to talk about. I don't think. Okay. We'll get to that, though. We'll get to, though, about uh, about Obstacle Corps. I know we have Obstacle Corps news. Well, we can do that first you if do you that? want. Sure. Okay. Because okay. there's there some hats in that uh, in that film. There are. There are. In fact, um, a, a handful of the characters, before we flesh them out with actual actors, we refer to them by their hat color. Yeah. Because there's a baseball team in there, and mm-hmm. for the longest time, like if you read original scripts, red hat says something, then yellow hat <laughs> says something, then then yeah. you know blue hat gets killed and it's whatnot. It's important. Yeah. So yeah, the hats, and then of course there's yeah there's a Viking helmet, there's a jester hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, there's there's some good hats yeah. in that one. You're correct. Important narrative devices. Indeed. So we just found out. Well, if you already if you already happen to be a subscriber to Horror Pack, then you already probably have received the Horror Pack this month, which features. Obstacle Corpse. Obstacle Corpse were the secret Blu-ray from Horror Pack for the month of October. Love it. And uh, they have some extras. So if you are not, if you if you don't subscribe, think about it because you get you get you know DVDs uh, every month mm-hmm. uh, in their surprises and and sometimes they're brand new films that you haven't seen before. Sometimes they're you know sort of uh, older movies that are your are fun to have, but it's a fun surprise and it it's is. not very expensive. And it's a great group of people over yes, there. Yes, big thanks to Chris Etheridge oh, and yeah. everybody over there. He's the best. He is the best. He's the and best. And it's not this. This also features, as Blu-rays often do, yeah. little fun bonuses. Yes. We recorded a commentary track where you, me, and the boy, yeah, our son, Donovan, Donovan, who plays Mason. Yeah, we we well we kind of we zoomed in with him. He's in L.A. Uh, and then we all got the pointed the the camera pointed the um, the zoom call. So he could see the screen as we all watched the film and commented on yeah, it. So yeah. 
give you some, you know, some fun, hopefully fun, yep. um, back B- BTS. Yep. There's also the scenes info. Yeah, the uh, the short film that was our proof of concept. Yeah. That's on there, and the news station came out to the shoot. So right. The the footage from their the news the TV news segment that they did while we were filming. Yeah, Cameron and uh, Edwin and the cameraman. Yeah, they right. came out. That's, uh, right. that's from Good Day Columbus, which here in town here in Columbus we're on. Good Day Columbus every Friday with movie reviews. They they have been supportive from day one, the and they came too. out and did a yeah. great uh, comment. It was pouring down rain. Yeah. We were all soaked to the bone. Yeah. Uh, but it's a nice behind-the-scenes look of a, a really one of the hectic, really trying days of shooting. So yeah. that's, that's on there. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. So if you if you already have Horror Pack, good on you. Yep. Uh, it might be a reason to consider getting Horror Pack. Yep. It is. Like you just described why. It's a great bargain. It is. But if not, we should have information soon yep. about getting them from our website. Yes. So that's exciting. I know a lot of people have been asking about physical yeah. media, and here it comes. Physical media forever. Some more info on that should be coming soon. But let's dive in. we got a top five of Frightful Hats, and we'll start out one, uh, well, this is not too long ago at all, from 2021, after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement. A 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. It's the grabber and his hat in the black phone. Would you like to see a magic trick? Yeah. You're getting out of here. How? There's a combination lock. What's the combination? Creepiest damn thing. Man, I got to give it to uh, whoever the costume designer was for Scott Derrickson is the director. Yes. And of course, Ethan Hawke, who works, there's a lot of Scott Derrickson films because he did like Sinister. and But I mean, um, Ethan Hawke's performance is magnificent in this. But if you've read Joe Hill's original story, it's a short story. The look of the killer in that is very, very different than the, the look that they went with for the film, which involves this series, this evolution of masks, but also right at the beginning when he's got not the mask on, he's just out in public, this nice guy, this big black top hat. And it goes with the mask. And it, I mean, the whole look of this villain is so spectacular and so creepy. But at first, he's just sort of a klutzy, sort of a goofy amateur magician with some balloons and you know and and the hat is perfect and it makes you think of as he's sort of twirling it around it makes you think of old frosty and that hat <laughs> that brought him to life yeah it's uh, it's a good mask too a and, great mask and it's a stovepipe hat uh for the grabber and coincidentally enough since we've already talked about rose the hat he is wearing a hat and he walks and he abducts a child walking home from a baseball game. Yeah. And of course, there's that very terrifying scene in Doctor Sleep. That's the scariest scene it's in the whole really, movie. Yeah, Sleep. it's really good. But anyway, uh, yeah, the black phone was really well done. In fact, it was so. That's one of those that was a big, a big crowd pleaser. Yes. I, I was hard pressed to find anyone who didn't like. That. Oh yeah. And that kind of reaction is what caused it to get delayed. It originally had a, a January release, and we've said many times that January is. It's a lot like August sometimes. It's a dumping ground. Yeah, they exactly. just push something to January. Usually you see you see something's opening in January, you think, oh boy. <laughs> but the the early word and the the preview screenings were, were so well received that they pushed it. They realized they had something great and gave it a summer release date. And it really paid off. 
It's a creepy story. It, yeah. it is one of those rare, rare instances where you take something of a short story and fill it out, but it doesn't feel like filler to get it to feature length. Yeah, it, it definitely gives it a, I think, even a Stephen King oh. feel with the way that they fill it out with a B story with a family. Uh, and also, I think, shout out to the how well it nailed its date. It really, it's like 1973, really did. 1974, and it really did. It it had it down. It really did. It looked, the, the time stamp was fantastic. Anybody that grew up in the 70s, you, you just recognize the look of it. Oh, yeah. And that helps, you know, that shouldn't go... Uh, you know, you don't say that lightly. No. I mean, that really takes you into it and the neighborhood. And, you know, one, they're just across the street and what's going on in that house. And it just makes it so, so creepy. And there are moments, you know, when he gets out, it's sort of that that trap where he's able to get out the door. And there's so much tension there. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not a gore fest. No. You know? Not at all. It's no. all frights and yeah. tension and, and it's atmosphere. It's very spooky. Yeah. Very spooky. Yeah, it's a scary movie. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, but a great look. Uh, a great mask and a great stovepipe hat for the grabber, Ethan Hawke, uh, as the grabber in the black phone, and that is number five. All right, number four on our list of frightful hats. This goes back to 1983 in a small American town, a diabolical circus and its demonic proprietor prey on the townsfolk. Mr. Dark, something wicked this way comes. I am pricking up my thumb, something wicked this way comes. Then rang the bells, both loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. Where do you come from? The dust. Where do you go to? The grave. Yes. We are the hungry ones. Your torments call us like dogs in the night. And we do feed. And feed well. Tell me where the boys are hiding. And I can make you young again. Well, we talked about Stephen King here just last time because Joe Hill, if you didn't know, was Stephen, is Stephen King's son. He actually wrote a rejected adaptation years ago of this, wow. of this film, of the adaptation of the Ray Bradbury uh, book. Didn't, it got rejected. So well, because even Stephen King has tasted rejection. But Ray Bradbury himself wrote the screenplay. So yeah. I guess if you're going to be outdone by someone, it ought to be the author fair of enough. the book. I fair suppose enough. that's fair enough. And actually, it's funny. It's a Disney film. Yes. And the, you know, the final product is a bit of a mess, to be honest with you. I mean, it's it's a bit of a mess. It feels like it's been gutted and retooled. It doesn't Well, it was. It yeah, was retooled. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it 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 doesn't the, the movie does not work nearly as well as it ought to. However, it does have some great moments to it. It's got this lovely sort of nostalgic feel and Jonathan Price plays Mr. Dark. And he's just perfect. He's great. Because he's so charming and he's dignified and such and, a manipulator. And yeah. it's funny because he's got also a top hat on, mm-hmm. which in is it's shot it's set in, you know, Illinois of the nineteen fifties and all of these sort of regular Joes, and then here he comes with his but it seems perfectly fitting on him. Yeah. It just you know, it just seems like you're a little bit better than us. Um and he wears it well. You know, and Price is already I think six he was six one, but yeah. they gave him High yeah. shoes. They want to make him even taller oh, yeah. and yeah, even yeah, more yeah. menacing. And, and of course, then the hat just makes him even taller than that. But you were talking about the retooling, and then with uh, with uh, Black Phone, we were talking about good test screenings. Well, this one had poor test screenings, and that's why Disney held back the release for a year. They they uh, re-edited it. They filmed additional and replacement scenes uh, with a second unit director, added that opening narration, and hired James Horner to write a completely new score. So that you talk about retooling. 
That is yeah. retooling. And the thing, too, though, the thing about that that makes me curious what the original was like is that Jack Clayton was the director, mm-hmm. right, who who did The Innocence, among other things. I mean, he, you know, he, he, I'm trying to think of what the mainstream film, he did something huge, some mainstream film, and I can't think what it is, because The Innocence is one of my very favorites. And it's really a masterpiece of spooky, not gory, you know, sort of tension and uh, psychological terror I would I would love to see his original version and yeah. what that was like. Well, apparently, obviously, he wasn't. But Ray Bradbury also apparently was not pleased with the, the studio's intervention sure. to try to pump it up with all the extra, like the spider attack was added yeah. and the mirror maze climax. And it was filmed like nearly a year after the original production wrapped. And it has a different, like you said, a different feel. You can just feel this just doesn't feel no, right. Yeah, there it, are it's too a many, bit of a mess. You can tell a lot of times with a movie when there's just too many hands in here. Yeah. You know, somebody said, oh, do that and do that, and this is what it feels like. But at the heart of it is a pretty, obviously with Ray Bradbury, a, a cool story. And Mr. Dark is certainly a very cool character. And also it was Ray Bradbury who had in mind uh, both Steven Spielberg and David Lean for, oh. yeah, Lawrence of Arabia, yeah. David Lean, uh, for for directors before they uh, went uh, in a different direction. So, uh, very interesting, but a lot of different Disney hands in that one. And then after all that, it pretty much was a flop. Yeah, it was. when it came out. And it's funny because you know, uh, like every Disney movie ever was on the Disney Channel when they first churned it out, like its uh-huh. whole back catalog, except this, which I think it may be now. But for you know, for a long, long time, it's almost like they just pretended it never happened, and that seems unfair. I mean, it is an enjoyable movie. It's a bit of a mess, but. So were a lot of things. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and Mr. Dark is still a great villain. I yeah, think we've is. talked about him a few times. Yeah. And he has a great hat. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Price as Mr. Dark in Something Wicked This Way Comes, number four on our list. All right, moving it up to number three. This is a famous hat and a famous look. This is from 71, uh, set in the future, when a sadistic gang leader is imprisoned and volunteers for a conduct aversion experiment that doesn't go... As planned, this is A Clockwork Orange and Alex. What crime did you commit? The accidental killing of a person, sir. He's enterprising, aggressive, outgoing, young, bold, vicious. He'll do. This young boy is a living witness to these diabolical proposals. He can be the most potent weapon imaginable. Everybody needs a good bowler. A bowler, and it's really part of an iconic. You, you know the look and the hat is so iconic when you can just put a picture of a bowler and then that little eye, the eye, the eyelashes. Eye black. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. And then well, you know I have exactly. that I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that just shows you. That's yeah. all you have to see. Oh, yeah. if, you, if you just saw the bowler, it might do it for some people, but you add the little eye. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a very, very identifiable look for a very iconic character from A Clockwork Orange, played, of course, by Malcolm McDowell. Right. Um, and, it, you know, it goes back, I think, to what we were saying uh, about the grabber, about the black phone, is that the look of this character, actually, of, of the four of them, uh, of Alex and his droogies, you know, it's such an interesting and unusual take, and it's such a good blend of, of like, futuristic and retro, of sort of punk rock and, you know, Ludwig von, of of something that's elegant and something that's just brutal. You know, it has sort of, a, I think, a skinhead kind of a quality to the way it looks, but a lot of that is because of the boots. But yeah. it's just... It's just an immediately terrifying, perfectly suited outfit for that group of people. Yeah, it really is. There's a a weird story, and I I don't know if it's true, but Anthony Burgess, who wrote the novel, Mm -hmm. originally sold the movie rights to Mick Jagger. 
uh, when he needed quick cash, and it was Jagger's intention to make it with the Rolling Stones as the Droogs. Oh, yeah. But then he resold the rights for a much larger amount. I bet he did. <laughs> but that would be weird. I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but it's a great story. It is a great even story. If it's not. Can you imagine the Stones? It's a great thing to think about without having to actually watch it. <laughs> and I only say that because I do love, I mean, I love this movie. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, both of us, big Kubrick fans. Oh, you, yeah. 2001. Of course, both of, the, both of us are shining. Clockwork Orange is easily my favorite Kubrick film. Easily. By and, a wide margin. And... As with a lot of Kubrick films, there have just been so many rumors and things that have that have come out about the movie um, after in the decades after its release. One of the one of those is that they said it was banned in the UK, which it was not. Oh. It was not banned in the UK, but Stanley Kubrick withdrew it in the UK when two copycat crimes happened mm. in the early 1970s, around 1973. Um, about that were similar to the singing in the rain yeah, bit. So yeah. yeah. So but uh, no, not officially banned in the which U- is, in the UK. Which is interesting because they are so ban happy, or they were not <laughs> not so much. It was more eighties than seventies when the when censorship and the video yeah. nasties label nasties, became yeah. became so prevalent in the UK. But it's interesting to have a movie that wasn't actually banned over there. <laughs> it was also one of the first films to employ radio mics to record the sound. No overdubbing. Yeah. was required, so nice. uh, a little bit of a technical. And here's something I just learned about this. I had no idea. But in the scene where uh, Patrick McGee's wheelchair was carried down the stairs, mm-hmm. that's David Prowse, who played Darth Vader. Uh-huh. He was the you know under the suit. Wow. Had no idea no. until I was just looking up stuff for this movie. Wow. Who, who apparently, as the story goes, he was not shy about ribbing uh, Stanley Kubrick about his multiple takes because he had to carry that, even though he's a big, strong guy. Well, he, that's, yeah, it's a big. Yeah, and he made some remark about, boy, you're not exactly, you know, two takes Stanley here, are you? And everybody was just aghast. And I guess <laughs> Kubrick just laughed it off. Uh, that's another story. Two takes Stanley. May or not be true, but it's a good story. <laughs> but uh, going back to the hat, yeah, it's a, it's a look. That has become so iconic over the years. In fact, I think when our son was little, didn't he go? He went a Halloween costume. He did. I got yelled at. I had a number of parents <laughs> yell at me for that costume. Come but on. he looked adorable. He did. He, I mean, he wasn't like he was four. He was at least oh, six know, yeah. or seven. Yeah, no, I did. I got yelled at by a lot of parents about that. Um, although I think the first costume ever, because it was a very simple costume. He had on, you know, like black sweats and a, a little hoodie and, and you know, just a hockey great. mask. Just a hockey mask when mm. he was about 18 oh, months yeah, old. That was I got one. yelled at for that one, too. But he was a cute Alex. <laughs> <laughs> he was heck with the uh, come on neighbors lighten up um that is a clockwork orange and alex and his bowler we were looking for that we were just in uh spirit halloween of course yeah uh, we, we've been in spirit halloween like lot. twice a week for the last month but we couldn't <laughs> think of the name you were looking for a hat like that yeah. to match it up with a picture of your shirt yeah like, so it's a bowler it's a bowler. a bowler i couldn't think of that word for Alex and a Clockwork Orange, number three from 1971. Moving it up to number two. This is a favorite from 2014. A single mother and her child fall into a deep well of paranoia when an eerie children's book titled Mr. Babadook manifests in their home. It's the Babadook. You can't get rid of the Babadook. You can bring me the boy. You can bring me the boy.
This is such a good movie, a favorite for many reasons and many categories, I think, mm-hmm. that we've talked about. And also the, the debut for writer-director Jennifer Kent, the feature debut. The feature debut, yeah. Because she did a short, I believe it was called Monster, yeah. that this was based on. Used to be on YouTube, that's when I saw it. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if it's still there, I would highly recommend seeing it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, this is such a good movie and such an assured vision for a brand new filmmaker and you know, I, we love when well, you talk about the hat. Love the fact that because of the Babadook's look, it went on to become sort of a symbol for the LGBTQ community, and started you started seeing it uh, all over the socials with the rainbows and the uh, you know around Pride Month and everything yeah. was great. Well, what's it's because it it had been mislabeled on Netflix, right? As that Happy was one accident. of its ca- exactly, but it, it, but the, but it was embraced. It was like, oh yeah. <laughs> and then you see, and then his big smile and face oh took my God. on a kind of like oh, a, yeah. oh, he's not so evil, is he? <laughs> Look at that jaunty hat. But it's it's such a great movie and such a great metaphor, I think, that has been misunderstood uh, by a lot of people, especially early on. Maybe not so now because right. there's been a lot more uh, discussion about mm-hmm. it. And about the child and why the child is so annoying. Oh, yeah. That's one of those deals where that we've said many times in talking about a movie, when something, when you question something... Think about it. I maybe it's intentional. Yeah. 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 Because it's, it's intentional. You know, it's, it's you spend five minutes. Noah Wiseman. I mean, uh, Essie Davis plays the mother, and oh, she yeah. gets all the credit in the world. In fact, I think a lot of us at the time were really rooting that she might get an Oscar nomination. She's magnificent in this movie. Noah Wiseman, uh, who who plays the son, he's equal to her. He's brilliant, and you, you spend five minutes. You the first five minutes with that kid, and you're thinking, oh yeah, I'd kill him. Exactly. You know, and yeah. but of course, you know that had to be a, a I think tough on him because that's the whole point is that deep down. He knows she kind of wishes I was dead, yeah. you know, and then, you know, he wants to feel safe, but he can't feel safe because of her. And she's not addressing that herself. But that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about the Babadook and that hat. <laughs> and it's just awesome. The whole it look is. of that, you know, and I love I mean, the way the movie looks, the cinematography and the set design is just gorgeous. It's creepy and macabre. This pop up book. Oh. Is so well constructed, and the and then the way the whole movie takes on that sort of house of mirrors, hall of mirrors, just these weird angles and this exaggerated sort of the way the lines poke out a lot like a pop up book, mm-hmm. and it's um, I mean the whole the big coat, the big smile, the crazy hair, but but also on top of everything that hat is oh, it's, just yeah yeah it's very just, much so he's a great look the Babadook has a great look and you know we had to go through this and anybody that is making a. a low-budget or independent movie, you had to go through raising some money, Yeah, coming up with ways to raise money. Well, this is great. The movie had a campaign where you could buy a copy of the hand-created pop-up book for $80. Wow. The first 2,000 copies are numbered and signed by the director. Holy wow. moly. Imagine getting one of those. Oh, yeah. How sweet is that? It contains pop-up pictures, additional pages not seen in the movie. That campaign was only op- uh, open for a limited amount of time, and about 9,500 books were sold for $80. Wow. Man, what a great fundraiser. Because, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the the look, using it as a pop-up book, because that can always be a, a scary device. Like, you open the page, and boom, something oh, jumps yeah. out at you. Oh, yeah. And it's just used to such great effect. I love pop-up books. We have a oh, couple. Yeah. We have yeah. a couple, you know, really well-made for adult pop-up books. We have the entirety of Wizard of Oz, I'm bringing that up again, as a pop-up book. Um yeah, there. It's an amazing art form. It really is, and but you're right. The entire look of the Babadook, including his hat, is just perfect. And we've talked about The Exorcist here lately. Uh, William Friedkin said of this film, "I've never seen a more terrifying film yeah. than the Babadook." It's, yeah, uh, it's one of those. And you know, a lot of the movies like this, you can always find a certain crowd. It does. That's not the kind of frights they're into. Oh, nothing happened. Not scary at all. But 
It's one of those that if it does, oh, if yeah. it does speak to mm-hmm. you, man, yeah. man, it's a deep down, mm-hmm. you know, psychological psyche type of scare yeah, yeah. that I always I always appreciate. Yeah, I love that movie. Love that and love the look of the Babadook, including the hat of the Babadook from 2014. That's number two. And moving up to number one, well, we might have spoiled this already, but from 2019, years following the events of The Shining, a now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. It's Rose the Hat in Dr. Sleep. Wow. Hi there. They're coming. You sure you want to do this? I'm ready. Yes, you run, dear. And then I will find you. And you will scream for years. Come and play with us forever and ever. Rebecca Ferguson cuts an interesting presence in this movie because Rose the Hat is evil. But at the same time, there's something about her where she's she's just doing what needs to be done. She's really sort of, she's nurturing this group of misfits. I mean, there's something about her that you can't help but, in a way, almost, almost uh, admire. However, it's almost exclusively children that she preys upon, yeah. and she doesn't at any moment express even the hint of regret oh, no. that she is that not only is she luring children to her at the very beginning she's singing the Irish lullaby mm-hmm. that's an Irish lullaby and um uh, so not only is she luring children to her but what she wants what tastes delicious is their fear and pain so she it's you know so it's 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 a fascinating character and Rebecca Ferguson is to me easily the best thing about this movie yeah she she is great and the hat that Rose the hat wears that's a tatty silk top hat that is. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, and she and her gang, the True Knot, are fascinating. Yeah. Just fascinating. I was just talking to somebody, a coworker here, here who was saying that they still have not seen this. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? It's it's. I think it's about as good as you can expect a a shining sequel to be because yes. that is such a big assignment to undertake. And I, I give credit to Mike Flanagan for even going there. Yeah. Um, of course, he had the book to, uh, to as a, as a guidepost. But still, what what he does with the look of it, and he did the very smart thing of since you're going to have different actors play these characters, we see them right away. Yep. So that if you save it to the end when they go back to the to the overlook, that would be too much of a shock. It pulls you back out. Of pulls it. you back out of it. But when you're introduced to it early, then that's what you're expecting when you go back. And I don't think all of it works for me. I th- I think on the whole, you like the film better than I do, though I do like it, and it's. Just barely horror. There's so much of it that is really sort of tense drama. But when it does hit, man, it hits hard. Mm-hmm. We were talking a second ago about the the baseball scene. Yeah, you know, With little Jacob Tremblay. I know who I that, love so much. Yeah. that that That's whole scene. scene will kill you. And the opening, yeah. the opening. Yeah. Um. And and every time Rose the Hat shows up, I mean, things just get nutty in a great way. And of course, we you know, Ewan McGregor, who plays Dan Torrance, he does a great job as he always does. This coworker I was just talking about, I was recommending the director's cut mm. because it's another instance like say midsummer yeah. director's cut you just feel like the characters are more deeply enriched they're just yeah. more well-rounded filled out for yeah. sure so so definitely if you haven't seen it i would say go for the director's cut but yeah i think it's pretty effective and uh and rose the hat and her tatty silk top hat is very she hardly ever gets 
upset. Right. She's very calm, but man. Unflappable. Unflappable. But you find out why she's she's the leader of that group. And uh, it, it leads to a, a pretty good uh, revisit to, yeah. to the Overlook, I yeah. think. Um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of callbacks, as you might imagine, to The Shining. You've got uh, the same the same January 1978 issue of Playgirl magazine pop, <laughs> pops up. Even some of those little bits oh, yeah. to go the deep dive that so many people have done uh, with The Shining. And even the... The uh, the opening there that you uh, talked about yeah. exchanging the flowers with a little girl actually actually of course reminiscent of Frankenstein yes very but uh, you know but Mike that's what Mike Flanagan does yeah, he and, does and, so well and, yeah he does so well and of course right now we already talked about we've been we've been watching along with so many others have been watching the fall of the House of Usher and he also uses the same cast members a lot so in this one yes. you'll see Bre- uh, Bruce Greenwood yeah. is in this one and then the girl who played Abra yeah. Riley Curran yeah. she's uh, in uh, the House of Fall of the House of Usher as well and uh, Henry Thomas yeah of course yeah, he Henry uses Thomas. a lot of the same cast and, he does. and and you know it's we we never watch shows ever we never watch shows not because we don't want to because we just really don't have the time because we see 200 movies a year however we have, since Midnight Mass, we have made room. We make time to see Mike Flanagan shows because... But they're also... We, we can handle it because there's seven, eight episodes yeah, tops. Done. I think that's why we we originally dug into Midnight Mass. Yeah. But, oh, seven, seven, eight, whatever it was, and loved it. Loved it. Yeah, it was actually Freight Clubber Jeff Bose who pointed out to us that we needed to watch Midnight Mass. He was so sure that we would love it, particularly right. because I always get on movies for getting Catholicism wrong. And he's like, nope, this is this just stinks like incense. You're going to love it. <laughs> and he was correct. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for that, because we did. And that's the reason why we wanted to make sure we checked out uh, The Fall of the House of Usher mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix right Plus, now. I love Poe. Yeah, and Rebecca Ferguson also, she made a specific shopping list for each member of the True Knot and hand-selected the items in her shopping cart herself. So maybe she gets the credit for that uh, silky, what's it called, the Taddy the tatty silk top hat. Mm. She had a shopping list for all of them. It's got a steampunk look about it, it I does. think, the tatty silk top hat. Yeah, and she wears it well. And that is number one, Rose the Hat, on her list of Frightful Hats for this edition of Fry Club. So we're looking ahead to, boy, we got a lot of stuff coming up. Here we are at the end of the month. Uh, coming up in just a few days, we're going to be diving into the great weekend that is the Nightmares Film Festival. Yes, we here are. Here in Columbus, Ohio. So if you can make it at all, Gateway Film Center, it is just one of, if not the best genre film festival in the country. And it's gotten so many uh, accolades drawing attention to that fact. And it's a great community as well. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, if you're a filmmaker or if you are interested in getting to know film, it's a really great place to come and to meet other writers, to meet filmmakers, to meet crew, you know, just to network and get together. It's also Gateway Film Center, which is such a great place to see movies. And the films are great, as we know, because we're we're on the panel, so we got to help select them. So we've seen most of them already, and they are great, yep. as they always are. Feature films and short films, and they're adding a, a trivia night this year. You've got panels, oh, yeah. lots of, just lots of great stuff going on all weekend, so... Love to have you make it if you can. If not, maybe, you know, add, put it down for next year. That's this is right. The, uh, this is the eighth annual. Also, we were just now on a podcast called from the, the, the Cat Club podcast. Yeah, Rick. Rick Gethin. And, uh, and it's, it's music. The podcast is music. But what we did is we, there are four songs that we talked about that get you in the spooky mood. And then we um, recommended four different horror films. 
for for your Halloween viewing pleasure. And we kind of we, we decided, you know, what do we think somebody might be in the mood for? So if you're in the mood for a classic, we have one of those. If you're in the mood for a zombie movie, we have one of those. If you're in the mood for a horror comedy, if you're in the mood for something a little more extreme. <laughs> so and that was fun. It's always fun yeah, to be on one of his shows. Because when people say, well, just pick your 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 five favorite one, that is it's almost impossible for us to do. So it's easier to pick it in. Okay, well, what are you in the mood for? Yeah. Maybe some people don't like too extreme. Right. Let's, let's go the horror comedy route. Okay, right. we got something for you. Right. So yeah, check that out. The Cat Club podcast. Rick, uh, very generous with his time, and it's it's a fun one because we don't get to talk that much about music no. uh, in ours, and it's it's fun to dig into some, some tasty cuts that have a Halloween flavor, and we did that. So that is available now. And then... Coming up next, the next Fright Club will, of course, be the Fright Club Live, which is going to be on Friday, November 10th. We're going to screen one of, I think, the most underseen gems of the last 10 years, Border. Oh, yeah. Now, last time out with uh, Lose the Flower of Evil, nobody in the crowd had seen the Not film one at person. I would bet you no one has seen this one either. I'd be surprised. It's possible. Uh, you know, and, and in a way, I kind of hope so, because it's one of those movies that every every new scene surprises you. So mm-hmm. we're not going to give anything away, except that there is love afoot in that, the movie. And that's that is the gonna, category. That's going to be right? the category. Love yeah. True story. love. And of course, true love stories and horror don't usually go very well, <laughs> but that doesn't matter. So that is on November 10th, Friday, November 10th, the Gateway Film Center. So make that if you can. And by all means, we know if you're on the Facebook, you can join us for the Fright Club Podcast Facebook group. Private group. You know, it's just us. It's just us Fright <laughs> just Clubs. Club. Yeah. But uh, just put in a request there. We'll get you in. There's a lot of fun stuff. We talk about movies. We have some fun. Put that down. But, yeah, we'd love to have you in there. Uh, and, as always, you can find us on uh, our regular channels, Fright Club Pod on Twitter, and, of course, the main website where you can find uh, all of our other movie reviews and our weekly uh, podcast about all the new releases that are coming out called The Screening Room. Uh, you can find that all at madwolf.com. Where else are we? Mad Wolf Columbus on Instagram and threads. And the regular Facebook page is Mad Wolf Columbus. What am I forgetting? I think that's everything. Is that it? Instagram? Yeah, you said that. Yeah, yeah I think you that. got it. We're out yeah. there. We're Find out there. <laughs> so keep in touch if you can. Have a great Halloween. Uh, we will talk again soon. And until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Hi, folks. I'm Bruce Campbell, hanging out here with Hope and George, Dave Ruby. <laughs>